Hi, and welcome to the 23rd episode of the Code It Call podcast, the CodeItMoments.com podcast. 23rd? Yeah. Are we on the 23rd? Yeah. Okay, we're flying along. Actually, technically more if you count all the, the other stuff we've done. But just to the straight numbered ones yeah. that we've dropped the numbering convention for, and now we're trying oh, to give them yeah. silly titles. We've given silly titles. I much prefer that. Yeah. Yeah. Much more meta. It is. I don't know what this one's going to be called yet, but um, you'll have to check it out on the website. <laughs> Answers on a postcard. I'm Andy Brown, at Clinical Andy on Twitter. I'm Matt Holt, at Codic Moments on Twitter. What's coming up today? Uh, today, we're a bit... We're a little bit back to normal service after the E3 specials, I think we could say, that we did. Um, so today we're going to do a bit of what we've been playing since the last podcast, which is a fair few things on the list again. Um, we've got a couple of interesting news stories that have come up over the last two weeks. Um, we're going to try and have a bit of discussion about retail price versus online store prices because um, I think it's uh, an issue close to Graham's heart at the moment after he was stung for Rainbow Six Siege. And Codet Momentum, we've got some exciting news about Codet Momentum, or partially exciting. Okay, great. Right, well, let's, uh, let's crack on. So, come tell me, what have you been playing? What have I been playing? Um, if I'm honest, sadly, I've not been playing very much. You must play something. I've been really busy this month. I've been uh, all over the shop, and I've not had a chance to play a lot. But one thing I did do was I got to play Rainbow Six Siege with you and Graham, who um, occasionally contributes to Codec Moments, and a couple, uh, another guy, Alex, as well. He's a, Alex, a friend, yeah. so uh, that, that was nice. It was good fun. It actually worked really, really well with four people. Um, it'd be nice to have a fifth, but it started to actually feel like we had some kind of cohesive you know team type thing going on it, it, it was... did because i mean we've we've played quite a lot just the two of us and it's a lot of fun but we tried to avoid anything that wasn't a straightforward terrorist hunt because they were so tough with just two people yeah it was that it was that moment of so if you're if you're diffusing bombs when you when you put the diffuser down suddenly the your room gets swamped and try as you can the two of you just can't cover all the angles no no it, it turned into a challenge and then having four there it didn't make it a breeze but it was a lot easier than it had been it was easier to to apply strategy yeah uh and the the hostage extraction oh that was, I, I that mean, was phenomenal we were we were we were vaguely competent we were and we didn't kill many of them <laughs> to be fair i only shot the guy once <laughs> got i got you know the red mist <laughs> and you didn't notice that he was tied up and completely innocent. You know. um, yeah, it, it worked really well having four of us there. And that that opened the game out quite a bit as well. Um, we had the new maps in there, which were, well, the one set, the Dust one, which are uh, yep. Middle Easty. Um, which was quite Middle Easty? Middle Easty. Well, it's a, a non-specific Middle Eastern country that it's set in, I think. Yeah. I haven't read the detail on it that much, but I don't think it's down to it is in this city, in this country. No, so Operation Dust. Yes. Yep. Um, and we did lots of the aircraft one, which, I'll be honest, storming an aircraft to rescue people or take out terrorists is probably still the best mission set it on was, there. It was pretty cool. I have to say my favourite round was in Operation Dust, and it was a hostage extraction where we went in really quickly, found the guy... Yeah. And we'd done a couple and we'd kind of strategized where we'd go, okay, right, so, you know, one of us got a shield, so form up behind him, you grab the hostage and we'll go in formation. And this time it was just, I've got him, run! Um, yeah. <laughs> and it was, 
<laughs> it was brilliant because you guys all all legged it. I think did you have the hostage? I yeah, we walked in we walked in the room, saw him, so he was right by the entry point, so I just grabbed yep. him and I legged it. So you you ran with him. Yeah. I think there was uh two others maybe near you and I was I kind of didn't really quite realise what was going on and until you guys were well out of the door. <laughs> so there's me basically just providing um covering fire on on your way out and uh running backwards up the stairs just trying to take out people who were coming after it was absolutely brilliant yeah it, uh, it must be the fastest mission we've ever done it's it literally it was done in about two minutes it was yeah. awesome yeah it was in an hour it was good so um so yeah definitely uh rainbow six siege i can still recommend it still putting in time on it um mm. and if you can pick it up say in a digital sale for about 20 quid oh, i was a bargain it's definitely worth it yeah. yeah um more on that later so what else have i been playing hitman yeah yeah the obligatory hitman um it's i keep finding it's a game that i'll just go back to for you know 20 30 minutes here and there just to experiment with it, I've, I've really found my hitman mojo well you sent me a message last night telling me that you created a contract i did and, and you sent me the name of it i did and even though i actually picked it up about an hour and a half after you had done it, it was still on the latest contract screen so for the first time since it came out I was able to play one of your contracts. How did it go? Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I I took a sniping approach. Good. You I see, that was, figured, that was mine. Did I figured you figure that's that out? how you'd done it, looking at the separation of the people. But because I only had one attempt, and I only did it once, I started in the wrong place with the wrong disguise to do it as quickly as you did it. And I ended up using two different vantage points to take out the first person and then take out three more because one of the things i've noticed with the contract i've been playing a few of the contracts recently and putting together a few even to the extent of um i must have spent 20 minutes typing in the little backstory that i did oh, it's brilliant they've all got full names and everything it's, it's yeah. superb i went to town on it it was amazing i screen grabbed it if, if it's got to go on but I'm, I'm hoping that io will pick it up as a featured contract you need to send it to them you have to do it in the oh, forums, and I think you have to tweet them as well. Oh, maybe I'll do and that. You can do that, and they do they do put some of them into featured contracts. Um, because, it, but I, I made up my little backstory, and um, I would get you can like it's called Twin Peaks P W E K S because yeah. it just so happened that I I was kind of it was all a bit random, and then I made up the story after I'd done it, if I'm honest. Um, because it was only when I got to the end I realised that two of the people I killed were identical NPC characters. <laughs> The street vendors. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was good. But, yeah, it was it was one of those things where I'd looked through and at the final screen when you can select, you can, you can either specify what equipment and outfits people should wear when they're doing it yeah. or you cannot. And I suddenly thought, if I leave those on there, it's going to be really obvious exactly the path I've taken and what I've done. So I removed them and I thought that actually made it a bit harder. Yeah, it did because... In terms of the prep and planning and figuring out what you're going to do, I, I covered a few bases. I had a silenced pistol on me. I whacked a sniper rifle somewhere where I could pick it up. Um, I did try to kill one of the vendors with uh, an accident by using a wrench on the acetylene tanks <laughs> um, and got spotted and had to run and hide to get away from that. So it did make it harder in figuring it out. Um, but I got there in the end. Once once i actually found the street vendor who's not at a stall <laughs> as soon as i saw that i went ah i know how you did this now yeah that was that was the key wasn't it yeah 
And I'm guessing that was the first person you took out? It was, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And now it was the first person I took out, but I took that person out from another sniper vantage point. Nice. <laughs> and then went over. So contrary to everything I've said in the past, I'm, I'm actually having quite a bit of fun with the contract modes and the the escalations. They've kind of all fitted into place for me finally. I've got my head around it. Are you I, I've started enjoying them a bit yeah. more. And I think it probably comes with having had some time to play the game and, and have a bit more skill at the game. Um, and now I'm... I'm back into those. Whereas before, it was a bit like, oh, these are just the same thing over and over again. But now... I think when you know the layouts and you know how to get around certain areas, it really helps. It adds a new um, a new level of intrigue to the puzzle, I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it does. So, no, it's good. I've really been enjoying that. And um, how did you get on with the elusive target? Really badly. Really badly. But at least I identified him. I killed the right one. <laughs> I uh, I tracked him down. I uh, I spotted his watch, and I was literally walking alongside him and his brother. And I just thought, oh, what am I going to do? So I just I shot him in the head with a pistol, uh, point blank range, and then all his bodyguards, for some weird reason, took exception to that. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> so I ended up dead. <laughs> well, I um, I followed them. I waited till they sat down at the little coffee shop in the square recognising that the one who sat down was the one that I was looking for or seen the watch because he was always the guy who was walking in front and then he sat down and so I went, got myself a vantage point, pulled my sniper rifle out, realised they'd gone for a walk so shot the person in front, wrong brother. <laughs> Oops. So, I mean, I'm I'm going to put it out there now. I have not yet once completed an elusive target so it's not looking good. I mean, to be fair, I've missed loads of them because I've been away and I wasn't actually able to do them in the time frame. But I've got loads of like black marks and check boxes and you know and it's starting to bug me and I'm just wondering I know they've said they are elusive one time only but do you think they're ever going to rerun them uh no I don't think they are I think they're going to put different things in so I'm just going to be stuck I'm just going to be forever stuck with a thing saying take out the fixer I, that I can never do I've that's the first one I've failed that really bothers the OCD completionist in me <laughs> But what it did get me thinking of last night, and uh, given your your approach of just pistol shooting somebody in public <laughs> without any attempt at concealment, yeah, or, it wasn't it wasn't my finest moment. Subtlety, I won't um, lie. It, it just it just made me think of your your wide boy approach to it, and how <laughs> I think you need to do some wide boy hitman stuff. Some, oh, can, uh, do you know? I think there's a video in that somewhere. Now you're saying it, I am imagining it. Oi, have some. Yeah. Yeah. I'm quite I'm I want to push somebody into the harbour and go, sploosh. <laughs> Maybe I'm gonna do that. Yeah, I think you should. I, I think you should. I think we need to find some uh, um what I about think the, we need to do we, the only way is hitman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a what that's it. That's that. <laughs> yeah, we'll have a we'll have a video up at some point soon because um actually it's one thing we have said for a for a while, we were gonna do some streaming of Hitman and with I, your broadband. I know, as of as of so it, it's Sunday the seventeenth of July as we record this, and as of tomorrow, I should go from two megasecond <gasps> to about seventy or eighty megasecond, all being well. So if it all goes well, we should be able to do some share play live streaming. Yeah, saying that, um, it should be happening tomorrow, but I still haven't received the the router from Plusnet. <laughs> 
So in a year's time, <laughs> when you've all sorted out, we'll yeah, do we'll, some we'll streaming share play. And um, I think we'll do some The Only Way is Hitman. Yes, I really like that idea. Yeah. All right then. Oh, cool. Yeah, stuff to use my broadband for. So, okay, um, quickly working through it, I got into... Well, I've been on holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, so while I was away, I wanted a game to play, and I chose Fallout Shelter. Again, <sighs> thought I'd put that back on. Good choice. Um, and it did not disappoint. I now have... Uh, oh, actually, the first shelter really did disappoint because um, <laughs> it didn't go very well. Uh, we had some food, water vague power shortages which, which really ate into the food and water shortages yeah, of those rooms right now. unhappy people um unhappy people um dead people yeah then then we had um then we had a pretty horrific rad roach attack oh. and um i had one survivor no i had three survivors two of whom were children <laughs> and um i think the last screenshot i took was of this uh this one survivor trying to produce water for the kids <laughs> As with just the corpses of all the other vault dwellers lying around it was it was pretty dark <laughs> sounds brutal um so i didn't go back to that vault if i'm honest I'm i don't surprised. know if they're still alive probably not no um and then i opened up a new vault my new vault much better things okay. are going really well i've got about 130 odd dwellers now Nice. And, of course, this week they've put in a new update as well. So we can do quests and we can actually explore places in the uh, in the wasteland, which mm-hmm. is brilliant. Yeah. Have, have you done any of those yet? Yeah, I've done quite a few. They're, yeah. um, they're really enjoyable. They do take a lot of time. This is the thing I found with Fallout Shelter is it does take a lot of time to get anything done. Mm. But I've been making some, you know, really decent rare weapons and um, really equipping up my vault dwellers and sending them out. So if you've got a couple of hours to spare, then um, you can send them off on a quest and then uh, you'll get a notification later on saying, hey, we've arrived, and you can uh, off you go and uh, and do your quest, which basically means going into another vault or a, or a store or shack yeah. and um, killing raiders or red scorpions. Excellent. Lots of fun. Now, there's a quick thought for you, and not necessarily what we've been playing, but given the Fallout 4 DLC that is to release, I think, this month, about building your own vaults, yeah. and that they've put Fallout Shelter on PC, do you think we're going to see a little bit of a crossover between the app and the game? That would be really interesting. If you could import your Fallout Shelter into Fallout 4, that would be really interesting. I, I, it crossed my mind. It might well be wishful thinking, but it'd be a nice touch. Do you remember back in the late nineties, early early noughties, There was, I can't remember which which SimCity version it was, but there were a load of other tie-in games, and I think it was something like Sim Helicopter. Yes, and you could basically load up your SimCity maps in Sim Helicopter, and then fly around doing missions in your SimCity. Was it, was it Sim City two thousand? It might have been. It would have. Yeah. The time frame would seem to fit about what I was talking about. That might be the last version <laughs> I played as well. Um, but yeah, that was that was really interesting. It, I guess it would be a bit similar to that. It would be nice to see that that three D representation of the the vault you've been building yeah. in in the kind of two yeah. D or two yeah. and a half D. Yeah, that'd be amazing. And and I can just imagine how absolutely horrifically creepy your vault with all the dead bodies in it would be <laughs> i might not load that one up it would probably just give me nightmares so that's good but uh, actually 
speaking about crossovers that did bring me back into fallout 4 this week i've, I've put that oh, back cool. on and um played a couple of hours on friday night uh did a couple of uh did a couple of side missions and stuff it's yeah it's it was it's good it's something i need to play more of i, I don't feel i've i don't feel i've gelled as much with it as i did fallout 3 no I, I think i have to say this i really enjoy it when i play it but i'm not missing it when i'm away from it yeah and that's that's something that i did have with fallout 3 i wanted to go back and play yeah i mean i must have um, i must have restarted fallout 3 four or five times just because i wanted to do different character mm-hmm. builds and stuff like that and and this one i'm just i don't know for me, big part of it is just time. It, yeah, maybe that's a different place sit, in my it, life. Yeah. You need two, three, four hours to really get into it and get anywhere and do anything. And if you've not got that time to spend, it it's tough. And definitely, I don't know, I'll get to it soon, but definitely over these last couple of weeks, I've been looking for things that I can spend 20 or 30 minutes with. Yeah. And that's it, because that's all, all the time I've had. So that's what I've been playing, except for uh, Pokemon Go, which uh, I'll be honest, when it became available in the UK, I've not gone as far as, you know, telling Apple that I live in New Zealand to play it. But uh, <laughs> as soon as it became available in the UK, I thought I'd give it a go. And I guess we're going to talk about that in a bit, because um, I'm pretty much sure the law states that if we do a podcast this week, we have to mention Pokemon Go. Yeah, yeah, it's yep. definitely in there. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. What about you? Um, well, Rainbow Six Siege, obviously. Um, Fallout Shelter, I've played as well since they did the update. Hitman, we've already talked about. So they're the ones we've already covered. Which way do we do this? So I'll tell you what, I'm why going don't, Why to, don't you go in order of uh, of best to worst? Best to worst, fine. That's the <laughs> way we will do it. It's a tie for best. Okay. <laughs> it's a tie for best, so I will go for the one that I've not yet finished. Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. Right. Started playing that yesterday. Um, I'm about halfway through it. It's not overly taxing. It's a Lego game, but it's just brilliant. It's almost as if this is what the Lego games were designed to produce. It's great fun, and it is the full Force Awakens, as you'd expect. Um, Nice little bonus start to it. The prologue is the Battle for Endor. So it starts in episode six. Oh, cool. Which is quite nice, and it's it's just done really nicely. Um, proper voice acting they haven't just used the bits from the films they've brought in the actors to record additional dialogue for where they need it um, but it's all that easy not too taxing just enjoyable and cute and it's great it's just what a Lego game should be it is, absolutely um, the other tie for best <laughs> uh, is because I've actually platinumed this back on the PS3 and I bought it again on the PS4 and started going through it. <laughs> Resident Evil 5. Nice. Now a lot of people slated Resident Evil 5 when it came out. Yeah, but then Resident Evil 6 came along, yeah. so it looks pretty good now. Uh, in oh, comparison. it's fantastic is the Resident Evil 5. Now I I still think 4 is my favourite. No. 2 is my favourite. 4 is probably the best game. The, the way I feel now is 2 is my favourite, 4 is playable. Yes. <laughs> I think. Yeah. That's the way um, you're putting it. I think that's how I feel. But five was massively underrated. And especially if you get into the co op, which we did a fair amount of. We played, five is we played the whole game good. through in co op, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, five is very, very good. Um, so I've been playing that. I've got back into that again. And, you know, it doesn't quite feel as dated as I expected it to. I still don't like the stuck in place while you're aiming and shooting, but it works within the context of the game and really does ramp up the tension. 
because when you've got a uh, chainsaw wielding nutcase with a sack over his head coming at you, you want to be able to run away and shoot him, it's, but um, you can't. It's always that first that first big fight section that you you come across that uh, with that one that struck me. The where you hold up in the house and they all start coming in yeah. and you've got the guy with the big like an anvil on a stick yeah that's exactly yeah that's yeah. exactly the bit that was always that that always felt really tense the first few times that you'd, you'd play it through and then as you get better and progressed and build your stats and you, it's it's your weapons yeah because you, your weapons are at default level that you just forget how poor they are to begin with and yeah. it's scarce ammo um but i have i have been having a lot of fun with that and I'll keep going back through that. That's where that having 25, 30 minutes to play has come in because the levels are not overly long, especially when you've done it. When you know what you're trying to achieve, you can yep. bomb through them and you don't bother with the cutscenes or anything else. You just in, enjoy the action. Oh, cool. So, yeah, so that is, been, I, I actually been, recommend getting that. You've been finding and shooting the BSAA symbols. It's worrying <laughs> how many I remember. <laughs> it's just, it's funny because as I was sat there thinking about that, I'd, I'd visually identified three or four of them in my head. <laughs> it's like the uh, the building that you first come across where your team's being killed. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the one at the top of the shaft. <laughs> and it was, yes, yeah, I've, I've remembered a lot of them. Uh, next, Mirror's Edge Catalyst. And I really like it. I really do like it. It's not been played as much because I've been reviewing other things which has got in the way of me doing it. But it's it's a solid game. The, the whole first-person free-running works exceptionally well. The combat's a bit better. It's still a bit clunky when it's it comes cl- to fighting. It's clunky in the first one, wasn't it? Though? Yeah, but it's far better in this one, even though it isn't perfect. But the actual running around, scaling, transitioning, um, and interestingly, the races are a lot more fun they're oh, okay. ridiculously hard your time limit is tenths of a second <laughs> All right. to get complete but then when you when you finish your race and you see the leaderboards and you see people who've done a what has taken you 45 seconds they've done it in 15 you're thinking how and that sets you off looking and you digging around trying to find alternate routes and how you could do it and then you're bringing the map up and checking it and oh, okay. it does actually work really well much better than I thought it would from the beta. Um, no, I've really enjoyed it. The, the story's garbage. Um, forget <laughs> that. But just running around a free roam city. That's the thats the fun part. Okay. And then, well, we're down to worst. And I did have to rank them because these are the two reviews that we've done over the last week. Yes. So we'll go with the least worst option, which, in fairness, when I booted this up, I thought it was one of the worst games I'd ever played. <laughs> Carmageddon max damage. Yeah, you weren't a fan, were you? No. No. And you know what? It's it's just down to two things. The appalling driving mechanic and the fact that it still based itself in nineteen ninety eight. You see, I I have a fondness for Carmageddon. I I played uh I beat the original game back in nineteen ninety eight. Uh, back on my PC, and then a couple of years back, I was in Prague. No, I was in Berlin. A couple of years ago, I was in. Ooh, get you. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I was in Berlin, um, and I was uh, I was there for a couple of days at meetings and various things, and then um, I happened to have installed it on my phone 
and I played through the entire game in about three days on you know on flights yeah. in the evenings you know when I had a bit of time I played through the entire game in about three days so I got this kind of real fondness for it but I think it's very much a case of the rose tinted you know I was what 1998 so I'd have been what 16 17 at the time so it was, you know, I was the right age to be mm. to be playing it the first yeah. time around. And then I think the novelty value on, on the phone, it was like driving a tractor through wet concrete. Actually, a lot of this, <laughs> a lot a lot of the uh, the agility of the vehicles. But I think it was the novelty of playing a game which I'd loved so much when I was sixteen or seventeen on my phone. Yes. Oh my god, how amazing is that? And I think I've not played it yet on the console, but I think I would find it disappointing because from what i've heard it's not it's not fantastic visually no and that's the, when i say it, it's like going back to 1998 it's not as bad as a ps1 game it's not much better than a ps2 game graphically take the cars out of the equation now the cars themselves are actually really well detailed right um and the damage mechanics and the deformation of the cars is is good and i like the repairing functionality as well because you have basically double tap triangle and it repairs your car if you've got enough points um, and actually sucks the parts from wherever you've dropped them yeah, on I mean, the track. That was, that was always the case, wasn't it, really? Yeah. It was. Uh, it always had that kind of auto-repair feature if you yeah. you hammer the button, yeah. So it, it works really well, but that's it. The, the rest of the environments are really quite ugly, and the control is almost non-existent for what you want from this type of game. You can handle um, a very arcade feel to something, because that's what you need in this. You need the arcade, you need that arcade drift. You need the ability to almost turn on a dime to get your objectives, and you can't. It's absolutely atrocious at points where you, you just find yourself massively understeering off every corner and hitting a wall, then having to reverse. And the, when you reverse, the camera swings around to be something completely unusable. So you can only see something like three miles behind you, not what's in front of you, which suddenly turns out to be one of your opponents ramming you. It just ends up being frustrating. And the AI is awful because no matter what the objective is of the game, they'll just ram you. I think it's one of the games that are... Uh... You know, it, it would be nice to have seen, you know, the 20 years of development. They could have done quite a bit with it. And I had, I did put quite a lengthy section on this in the review, but the whole thing about running pedestrians over, in light of what has happened in France over the last couple of days as well, and the fact that this is, you know, what's happened in France is terrible. It's not the first time it's happened over the last year of crowds being run down, and then we have a game about it. And it's a core mechanic of the game. It's, it's yeah, pretty. It's always, uh, it's I know, always I know, been I know a core mechanic. You, you know, yeah, I'm not being funny, but it's it's 2016. You don't have a Carmageddon game without thinking that's going to be part of it. But is it? It's just not not tasteful. No, it's regardless not. of regardless of what's happened in the real world, it's not, I think but... attitudes have, cha- have changed and time has moved on since that shock value in 1998. Does it need it now? Yeah. And but, I'll be, I'll be but arguably, in the, context, in, in the actual game, it seems pretty pointless. Yeah, but but arguably, you, I, don't, I don't think you can. I don't think you could argue that that's something that should be removed because of you know common decency. Uh, when any open world game, you know GTA, Saints Row, you can do exactly the same thing. You can. It's a different emphasis on it, and this is this as this the mechanic for building your time back up or a deliberate run all these people over kind of thing. It's just well 
it's obviously a, a, a psyche shift for me anyway. Yeah, but it, I think that's always been kind of at the heart of Carmageddon. You don't you don't go into it expecting any different, do you? I mean, you know, one of the power-ups that you used to be able to pick up was something that would just zap people with lightning from all over the place. Yeah, I think and there's something thus, like that still thus in there. ramping up your time massively and helping you to win. It's you know a game. A ga- am I right in thinking that one of the one of the finishing one of the completion possibilities was killing all the pedestrians in the map? Yes. So that's still don't there. don't yeah don't pick up Carmageddon, you know, and not expect that kind of nonsense. Surely, I think it could have been done differently. Okay, I'm not condoning running people over. I just like people to to understand that. I think if the game was any good, or if it rather that's that's a bit of an unfair phrase. I think if the game was better, you might be able to live with it or justify it. I don't think it has enough going for it in other areas to really say yes, it is. It is part of the experience. Yeah, and I think. Uh... You know, as as well though it was it was part of the success of the original game. I think if it hadn't been you know, if it hadn't been banned and required edits in a number of countries, I don't think it would have been anywhere near no. as successful as it no. was. So no. um in fairness, because this is really coming off the it's not a Kickstarter game, but it's coming off the back of the Kickstarter campaign. We have Kickstarter to blame for it. <laughs> because it's not if it's not moved itself on, it's not doing anything different and it's got no relevance, then and it is a bit crap. It's a waste of money. So, in other news, anyway, the, in, in other news, the next Assassin's Creed game. <laughs> well, that's not being kickstarted, is it? Right. Um, and actually, just last point, I'd insult to injury because I've seen it in, uh, I've seen Carmageddon in the shops because I, I actually hadn't realised it was going to be a disc release as well, and it's thirty quid, and it really is. It's not worth your money. Yeah, no, and that's. I'll be honest. That's uh, that's what made me hold off and ask you a few questions about it before I did buy the bullet. Yeah, yeah I think that's too much for it. Okay, so uh, finally, so after ranting about how poor Carmageddon is and not thinking I could play a worse game, then I put Seven Days to Die on. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's on paper, on paper, it's got it all, isn't it? It's got zombie apocalypse, Walking Dead franchise. Um, it's it's got. It's, world building survival yeah on paper i was really excited and i've been so disappointed with how bad it is and i'm gathering after after i've played bits of it i mean i stream some um so it's it's available via the youtube channel if you want to go have a look at it um i've reviewed it it's up on the site and then i've i've gone and had a good look round as well just to make sure I wasn't being overly harsh. And I'm gathering that the PC version was pretty successful. It was good. But it's a resounding console versions. Both platforms, terrible. And it's not just the technical issues. It is just, it looks poor. It looks like a PS1 game. It looks like a bad Minecraft, which is pretty hard to pull off. Because, I mean, Minecraft is a exceptionally functional game. It works really well, but it's not a great looker. Mine, well, no, but it, Minecraft does have its own unique visual aesthetic, and it's not—it's not like it's actually terrible. It's just got a certain look to it. Yeah. Well, this has a very, very, very poor aesthetic. Um, it, the menu system is extremely deep. It's quite detailed, but that means it's complex, and it also means small writing, tiny boxes, um, 
and I know with where you sit your living room for watching it you basically have to move your entire living room around to read the menus I the one I watched some of your stream and I mean reading what was on the menus on my phone while I was on holiday on a, a YouTube video was impossible but also what struck me about it was the the complete well, the complete disregard it seems to have for teaching the player anything about the game. You get about five minutes of basic tutorial, and then it's like, right, now that we've shown you 10% of the menus, off you go. Yeah, yeah, they don't show you anything else. I can live with a bit of that, because in, in fairness, you can work your way through the menus, you can figure out what you have to do, and it does, like a lot of things for um, the world-building piece, it does tell you what you need to create certain items, leaves a little bit of it up to you to go and figure out, which is fine. Um, but yeah, like you say, it says, off you go into the world, survive, and you'll last about five minutes. Because, well, especially, especially if you wander off in the middle of the night, yeah, running down a dark road with no light source. Hey, Matthew. Yeah, well, that's one, one thing. Um, but uh, on subsequent goes... Um, walking two minutes less than two minutes from the starting point into unmarked radiation zones which is wipe your health out and kill you um you'll freeze to death if it's snowing which is all great if you can you know create some warm clothing which of course you can't because you can't find any bloody things around that you want if you do find the things that you want it's probably got a zombie that's coming at you as well who is virtually <laughs> impossible to they're not impossible to kill they just take way too much to kill even on the easiest setting, that they are a nightmare, and you never, you're never too far from at least three or four of them. Even if you set it to not spawn many, it will deliberately, or it seems deliberately, make it tough to do anything at all. And your only way to survive a night is pretty much find a bit of shelter and do not move for the entire time it takes for the night to pass. Don't even attempt it because the slightest motion, they find you, they come streaming in, they destroy your shelter and they kill you. When you're dead, you respawn, fair enough, but it penalises you and takes your stamina and your health away so you can never be as high as you were before. So not only does it revel in taking your life away, literally it then reduces your ability to survive afterwards. Just to fill in everybody, um, can you tell them the story about when you respawned Oh, the, um, I'd, I'd create myself quite a nice... Well, I'd found an abandoned house. I, I fixed some of it up. I set myself a little bedroll up in the attic uh, because the bedroll is where you spawn. Um, and I'd also set up in the attic, I'd, I'd put some boxes at the top of the stairs so no zombies could get up the stairs towards me, not without me at least knowing they were coming. I'd gone exploring, trying to find some bits and pieces. I'd gone looking for a crate because crates get dropped from the sky every 24 hours. And they contain either useful items or schematics for weapons, stuff like that. So you're thinking, yeah, I need to go find one of them. Of course, they land miles away. And I got beaten to death by a horde of zombies. Um, well, I say a horde. I got beaten to death by two zombies <laughs> that you're un unable to run away from because they move faster than you. Oh, dear. Well, when you, when you run out of stamina, they catch you really <laughs> quickly. Um, and so I spawned on my bedroll, which is brilliant, in my attic, next to a bear. And the bear then killed me <laughs> immediately. <laughs> so within the space of two minutes, I'd lost 20% of my health, 20% of my stamina, which I could not regain. Um, and that's when I switched the game off. Yeah, because I'm guessing if you'd have respawned again at your bedroll, would the bear have still been there? <laughs> yes. Now you can spawn nearby, so it'll spawn you outside the house with the zombies. 
Okay. Um. So I, I, there aren't many games I won't persevere with. That was one of them. But this is one of them. I, I genuinely, I, I played as much as I knew. I wasn't going. I personally wasn't going to get any benefit out of it. I didn't do any co-op. That is in there. Um, by all accounts, the only joy in that is laughing with another person at how bad it is. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one to avoid. If you're thinking of spending thirty quid on this, don't. Not not now. It may patch. It may improve. But until it does, don't go anywhere near it. Okay. Right. Thank you very much. I think it's time to. Uh... That's what we've been playing. Why don't you drop us a tweet to at Codic Moments or you can email us to contact hyphen us at codicmoments.com and let us know what you've been playing. Uh, but I think it's time to move on. It is definitely. Okay. Right. So um, time to talk about some stuff uh, that's going on, stuff that's made us double take. What's that? <laughs> WTF. WTF. What's that, fellas? Yeah, it's WTF. And I think there's probably really only one story since... Well, there's a few stories since the last podcast, but I think there's only one that everybody's been talking about. Is it... Um, Southern Rail Tycoon. Is it <laughs> Southern Rail Tycoon? That's actually quite good. Have you played it? No, I haven't. Have a go. There's uh, a, a small indie games developer in the UK who are, uh, I can only assume, probably based in Brighton have developed a game called Southern Rail Tycoon. It's a browser game. You can play it on your phone. Um, and we'll include the link in the podcast. But the aim of the game is uh, literally a train arrives, uh, passengers rush towards it, and you have to tap them to collect money. And then when the train guards, who are identified with a bright red flashing arrow, uh, try to arrive, you have to stop them from boarding the train so that you can cancel <laughs> the train before they go. <laughs> I think... I think people there might be slightly bitter about the whole issue with sudden train cancelling yeah. uh, all the trains and not letting the guards on. That, that's it. If, you, if you're not based in the UK, um, there have been some issues with one of our rail networks, um, particularly for the southern parts of our country who now can't travel anywhere. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, that is actually very funny. Yeah. And it has been a big news story, not necessarily that game. But um, no, <laughs> I, I I think the, the big story is... Pokemon Go. Yes, not Pokemon Go. <laughs> that was one of my favourite jokes. How do you fit 100 Pikachu in a Mini? Or is it a bus? How do you fit 1,000 Pikachu on a bus? Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> Pokemon. Pokemon. <laughs> so, yes, Pokemon Go. It's um, an augmented reality game uh, featuring the little pocket monsters. Uh, yeah. And it's it's been mildly successful. That's putting it lightly, isn't it? It's put like nine billion pound on the value of Nintendo in a week. Now, that's let me get get this right. Is it? Yeah. Is it definitely put the value on Nintendo? Because I know it is. No, it's, it's part it's, of Nintendo's property. It's, but yeah, it's not Nintendo them that developed it. Nintendo only own a small portion of this, but it, it such has the impact on Nintendo's share price being that it's it's increased their their value by nine billion dollars. Yeah, is insane. It's insane. It's bonkers. It is properly bonkers. It's amazing. And uh, as Grizzly Creedon uh, said this week on Twitter and Facebook, it just goes to show you never, never count out Nintendo. No. I, you know, if I'm honest, I think they've been really lucky. I don't think anybody was expecting it to take off this much. I mean, I was, I was saying this week to uh, 
somebody we know that Pokemon has always been a system seller. There's no denying that. I in in my mind, it's you know probably more so than Mario. I think in in Japan certainly mm. is it's a massive system seller. But for it to have taken off this massively on the mobile market, free to play, um, I think is just brilliant. What what it will do for their next console iteration, I don't know. Uh, but it certainly helps to repair some of the damage done by the Wii U. Yeah. Now, it's an interesting one because it, it's obviously been available worldwide for a little while. We've had it We've got it a bit later than everybody else. Yeah, I think it was um, the, the 8th of July, I want to say, maybe. It's this last week. It's yeah. just gone past, hasn't it? It's a bit late, uh, but yeah. Um, and it, it do, does put into context exactly how big it is in the US. That's something I'd never really thought about, having not ever been into this whole Pokemon craze. I think I missed that by about five or six years. Um, I had no idea how big it was. Well, as of um, as of last week, they were saying that Pokemon Go is already... Um, it's already on 10.8% of all Android phones in the US, um, which has made it bigger than Candy Crush Saga, which apparently holds a, a place on 8.7% of all phones, Android impressive. phones in the US. So, um, yeah, it's it's been very successful. So it's it's already the, the biggest uh, mobile game ever in the US. They estimate it's made $14 million dollars. Just through not bad just, for a free to play game. Yeah, I'm guessing through probably in app purchases. Yeah. Um and then there's also other monetization options. So you've got Poke Stops and Gyms, and these mm. are basically landmarks. So there's the possibility these could be sponsored as well. Yeah. So um you could have corporate tie ins. So, you know, go to go to your local McDonald's and, and you can get a rare Pokemon type. Yeah. That kind of thing. So there, there's a lot of commercialization options here outside of in-app purchases as well. So if they can build... Well, I mean, they've already built a massive player base. If they can maintain it... That's the trick. Yeah. I mean, how many Pokemons are there to collect? Uh, do you know, I don't know. If I'm honest, because I, I, I don't know off the top of my head. I've not played much of it. I've only played a little bit. Um, and I've reached like level five, which opens up the gyms. Um, and I've not I've not been and tried a gym battle or anything. So I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't played a huge amount. Mm. It was more out of interest than uh, any strong desire to play it. Because I think there's there's quite a lot, and I, I gather my the extent of my Pokemon limited knowledge tends to come from um, honest game trailers for whenever they've covered a new game. But I seem to remember their last honest trailer about it. There were a huge amount because they tend to list all of the Pokemons. Um, and they seem to be adding more and more constantly. So I'm just wondering, is it is it basically a fixed amount in the world? Have you got five or 600 that you have to collect and they can be anywhere? Or no, are I, they going to continually I, add? I imagine they will be continually adding them all. And then on top of that, you know, you can evolve the ones that you've got into different types and stuff. So oh. I think there's, there is a, a seemingly endless amount of content that could be generated yeah. this game. Oh, hello, Cat. Cat. It's the podcast, Cat. What are your thoughts on Pokemon Go? Excellent, thank you very much. Succinct right. as usual. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think seemingly there's, there's probably a never-ending amount of content that could be generated for this, and I think you know that's that's one of the points Gareth Case made was when people start getting bored of it, they're just going to add more Pokemon. That's true of hardcore fans of the series. I think that's yeah. that's probably enough. 
it's not true of everybody that's downloaded it and everybody that's that's into it and you know a lot of the casual gamers i think a lot of the casual people will drop off there was a survey done recently in around about january 2016 which which basically said the time for app maturity which is which is the time at which an app has achieved 90% of the total number of downloads it, yeah. it will probably ever achieve has reduced dramatically over the past few years so in 2012 uh that point of app maturity was about three years all right so quite a lengthy piece of time but that's four yeah. years ago and in 2015 2016 it was around about three or four months really yeah so it has it's quite dramatically dropped off and i don't know whether that's because of the availability of more apps um you know the perhaps the uh the prevalence of free apps and in-app purchases i i, I don't know i mean it, it strikes me as um it's a feels like it's a short-term craze it's going to be phenomenally successful probably until the end of the summer i think a lot of the user base will drop off if i'm honest but if they can maintain you know even if they can maintain a small proportion of what they have now who are regularly making in-app purchases and you know bringing commercialization i i think it's going to be a money maker oh well no without doubt it will be it's it's how long will it last? They're saying they're saying there's the potential for it to make a billion pound in a year, a billion pound a year. Yeah, and then they'd be happy if they just do that in one year. <laughs> they'd be happier if they did it for several. Yeah, um, well, of course they would. But if they weren't expecting to do that, yeah. So I think it's I think it's good. I I really I do actually really like it, and I think one of the interesting things about it is it's it's potentially changing the habits of habitual gamers getting people out and about you know the the fact that you can you can get a pokemon egg you can put it in the you can put it in an incubator and you can walk it around until it hatches and it is based on you know the amount of time that you walk for right um going out and seeing the pokestops and the gyms and, and what there are in the local areas so one of the uh, one of the pokestops near here is um like a it's a sculpture of stones in oh, the local yeah. park and they are highlighting interesting things so there's a number in sheffield of um interesting culturally relevant pieces of graffiti there's um a piece that's a um dedication to um a war memorial that type yeah. of thing um so there are lots of culturally relevant things that hopefully people will be exposed to the downside of that is are they always appropriate and this is one of the things that the uh the holocaust museum in in manhattan yeah. has been saying that actually you know there are three poker stops in the holocaust museum and it's really not appropriate that people are wandering around with their phone trying to catch yeah. pocket monsters and that's that's an interesting point because you're right and i think you use the right word that by putting them in these landmark places that you're exposing people to them not necessarily bringing to the, them to their attention if they're just looking for a virtual monster. No. And that that's a little... Well, it's twofold. It's a little disappointing. But then at the same time, you are thinking, well, if it wasn't for this, they wouldn't be walking around there in the first place. No, so exactly. You, you've got a chance that they might start taking an interest or at least find things in their local area that they didn't know about to begin with it's that balance it is absolutely that balance um but you know i, I think i think it would need to be 
I think there needs to be work there. But actually, I really like the concept. I really like the idea. And I like the idea of going around and seeing these things. And actually, if you can engage people with it and say, this is more than just a place where you find Pokemon. Look at this. This is mm-hmm. this is something of interest. This is why this is here. This is why it's been highlighted. I think that's a good thing. We need to be cautious because I've seen some really stupid things happening in the past couple of in the past week or so you know people falling down holes people going into an abandoned mine shaft yes um there was reports in the u.s of a road traffic accident where um the driver admitted he was yeah well the the driver one of the drivers stopped because they were playing it and the other one ran into him because he was playing it (laughs) you just think oh for goodness sake this this could be the end of days um but you know, look, come on, let's let's be sensible. It is it is fun. It is the big thing at the moment. But just as with anything on your phone or listening to music or whatever, just exercise a bit of caution and environment. You know, some awareness of your surroundings. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I mean, I've I've not got it. Um, and to answer one of the questions that Matt Holloway's put to us, there's no way in the world I'll even be downloading it. But I assume that the warning messages that come up at the beginning of there the is, game are clear enough. There is one that says, yeah. you know, be beware of your surroundings. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, what what's some interesting finds. One person in the US who was wandering around trying to find a water type Pokemon has, has stumbled across a corpse. Yes, she was. Um, she was trying to find one. She hopped a fence, didn't she? And she found one that they did. They suspect it was a suicide from the day before. If I read that right, yeah. And there was um, there was another one in Connecticut. Some uh, I think two guys who were out looking for Pokemon in a local churchyard came across a woman who was has been described as uh, naked and vandalizing the the churchyard. Oh what? yes, yeah, I'd heard about I'd heard about vandalizing the churchyard. I hadn't heard about the rest of it. Says, uh, yeah, it says the uh, the game led the men to a prayer garden of St Luke's Church, a Roman Catholic church in Westport, on Wednesday. But instead of a squirtle, they found a nude woman who was vandalizing the property. <laughs> so it's doing some good. So there you go. So uh, there's hope for you, spotty young teens. Yet, I mean, there's the. Um, instance of thieves targeting people by creating poker stops at certain places or poker gyms isn't it we can't i don't think you can create them that's can the thing not? they're created they by were, the game so it's no, uh, well they were using them to um they were using them to take people's phones and um, but again it's back to that awareness and caution that people just have to have and it sounds like if you're if you're out there in groups um particularly with small and young children um it should be fairly straightforward it should be fairly easy to it's a game i think it's, it's just yeah i think it's exercise and course so so with the gyms and the poke stops you can you can put a thing which is basically like a pokemon lure you can assign a module uh, to a okay. stop which means you'll get more pokemon or rare type pokemon so if you see one of these in your area you can think oh yeah i'm going to go there because they'll be like and it's it's not just for you but it's for other members of the community so i think the idea is you work as a community you you get together you all you know have a little pokemon fest but obviously some some guys probably thought hmm if i stick it up here a load of geeks will turn up with their phones and i can have them yeah and that happened that that, that has happened police uh, caught quite quickly in fairness anyway it it's all right it's it's an interesting concept i i don't think it's going to be long before we find you know a lot of a lot of these pokey stops and things are sponsored by pizza hut 
if if that's the way that they do it, then let's see let's see how it does. Let's see how it does. It's an interesting idea and it has captured a lot of people's attention. There's a guy who's actually quit his job to go and hunt Pokemon full time. Um Tom Curry is a barista um near Auckland decided to jack it in and go and find digital creatures on his phone instead. Um, relying on friends and family to support him whilst he's doing it. He didn't originally tell his boss why he was quitting, but as soon as the news story got picked up, um, he decided he'd better tell him quickly before other people found out. And his, his boss wasn't actually as, <laughs> as put out as I suppose you would be. as uh, obviously just supporting him because it's what he wants to do. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And actually, in, in Venice, since we started recording this podcast, because that's how long we've been going on, um, <laughs> a new story has actually popped up about two Florida teens who were shot at whilst playing Pokemon Go by a homeowner um, who thought they were thieves because they were hanging yeah, around you know, outside his house. Do you know, actually, that's that's the thing. That is, uh, that's another level of complexity. Because my, my point earlier was you know be careful if you're walking around with focus smartphones you know an iphone that's a couple hundred quid that's several hundred pounds worth of phone and if you walk around with your phone out in the open just holding it not really paying attention to what's going on around you that makes you an easy target for a thief Mm. okay and it's as simple as someone snatching it and running easily as that but in the u.s if you walk around on or around someone's property, looking suspicious, looking a little bit like you might be taking pictures or filming with your phone, yeah. you are liable to get shot. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah. Just have um, to pay I, attention. I have to say, I actually... I mean, all right, I've, I've turned the AR mode off for two reasons. Um, firstly being because I'm actually part of the... Um, I, I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to anyway. I'm part of the Apple iOS 10 beta. Um... And that's all I'm going to say about yeah, it. Yeah, you can't but say I don't think you other, can say anything else, can you? Other than the fact that the geolocation doesn't really work with it. <laughs> okay. So, which is a known, which is a known fault. Um, and you need that for the AR to work properly. So it's right. the, I think it's the gyroscopic function. The other reason is that when I'm out and about, if I do want to have the app on, and this is this is a serious downside, if you want it to work, you don't just get notifications when there's something nearby. You need the app open and running. Right. So there's no there's no habit running in the background. You need it open and running. And then what I don't want to do is be walking across, say, the local park, have something pop up, and then be stood there with my phone up, looking around, trying to find a yeah. Pokemon, you know, look. Right. Turn off. If, if you're in public, turn off the AR and just, just use it as you would a normal phone because then you don't look like you're playing Pokemon Go. But if you stood there in the middle of an open field with your phone in the air, moving it around, you look like you're playing Pokemon Go yeah. because I have seen several people around here doing it and it's really funny to sit and watch them. It is it's, genuinely. It, it's, all, um, it's probably all right if you're 12, 13, 14 year old. If, none if of you're them have in your been. mid-30s or older, yeah. <laughs> you look a bit strange. I am actually, I am actually seriously tempted to go and just start filming people playing it in the middle of Sheffield. We just have a little <laughs> montage, yeah, a poker montage. <laughs> Sold. Okay, I think that's got to be enough about the the least interesting Go franchise game for a long time. No, it is. I know it it's is, not part of Square Enix. It is interesting. It is interesting, and I think you you're dismissive of it because you always think it's, you're too cool for school. Um, <laughs> And the ice cream van has just gone past. 
<laughs> yeah, I can hear it still. My daughter will be going mental now. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think you're getting after ice yes, cream, darling. <laughs> We're back and we have ice cream. We don't usually have an ice cream break. We should do, it's amazing. I haven't had one of these in years. Matt's got a knockoff mint feast. I've got some kind of cookie abomination, but it works. So I think we're done on Pokemon Go, right? Yeah, we were just winding that up. We did have a question from Facebook from Matt Holloway. Yeah. Which was, why haven't they used some of the millions in revenue to buy a few dozen or hundred new servers to bring online? I imagine they have, to be honest. It's we we did an article about this when GTA Five uh, Online came out, and uh, it's not just as easy as buying new servers and plugging them in. You need to distribute the load. You need yeah. to um, run stability checks. There's all kinds of stuff that you need to do. Um, so it takes time to do that, which is probably why they've staggered the launch. You've got your staggered launch, and you've got also the unexpected success of it yeah i mean they've said there's been such a huge demand for downloads and uh, I, I imagine part of it would have been let's not add any new countries until we see what happens when when we get some st- server stability yeah yeah they probably have been adding them but it's it takes time so you wouldn't see an immediate effect yeah it, it, yeah it absolutely isn't that straightforward well um put the link to the gta 5 online server article because that put it far better than we can do it just it was it yeah. was written by an actual expert who yeah. works with these kind of things so uh i never get bored of mentioning chris gill no and it was such a well-written article it was lovely we, we keep rolling it out every time we get the chance any any time we talk about server stability um so that was the good one what else um how can we make gps worth a damn indoors uh, you can't it's satellite based i don't know put a put a big hole in your roof yeah That'd be about it. Yeah, wouldn't it? Yeah, go go near a go near a window because um, you know ideally the satellites the satellites aren't going to be directly above you. Generally, they will be at, a, at an angle. Yeah, um, but you know that's physics. <laughs> There's not much we can do about that yeah. one, really. Sorry. Um, other than perhaps some more, you know, more powerful, massively penetrating energy we could get them to use, and I think some people may complain about that. Yeah, especially when you've had limbs charred. Yeah. Um, how many eggs would Andy have hatched during his gym sessions last year? Not many. I only started in November. Fair um, enough. <laughs> but got a few more this year. We were just saying we should have done an update. I haven't. I couldn't tell you where I'm at at the moment. So we'll we'll look, work on that yeah, for the in next. Term, in terms of Rootmaster, yeah, yeah, we need that for the next one. Um, yeah. How long can Matt hold out before being sucked into the world of Pokemon Go? Don't hold your breath. He won't. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think I will hold out till the end of time. It's good. Oh, and also, just off topic, are we looking forward to No Man's Sky? I was about to give a really sarcastic answer, and he doesn't deserve one. We're so looking forward to No Man's Sky. Yeah, yeah I am are. genuinely really excited. We are four weeks away from launch. Did I see somewhere it's only six gig? Yes. Which is interesting, and a lot of people are going, oh, how can that possibly be? It's procedurally generated based on a certain key, um, so I can see that if there's, you know, if there's reusing assets in a clever way. I can see exactly how that would happen, if I'm honest. Yeah, they said it's 6 gig, and uh, most of that is the soundtrack. Oh, awesome. So I'll wait and see. Um, but I'm I'm still excited for it. Yeah. I, I don't think it's going to under-deliver at all. I don't think it can. No. Well, what else are we going to talk? We're going to talk about uh, 
Digital game pricing. Digital game pricing, yeah. And I think this has come from Graham, and we think it might be a little bit tied to the fact that he, he's bought a lot of his online recently. Um, but for us to play Rainbow Six Siege the other weekend, he needed to get hold of a copy, and he bought the digital version, and I think he got stung for probably 55, 60 quid. Yeah, I think I think it was about fifty five. So, quid, so yeah. full price. But if you walk into a shop at this point in time, you can probably get it for about twenty five, maybe thirty at the most. Yep. Um, and yeah, so what's what's up with the pricing? And the best we can tell is that for the online stores for Microsoft and Sony, the pricing is set by the publisher. Yeah, which is what they can't do in physical stores. They can have a recommended retail price, but yep. if Amazon choose to ignore that and sell it for less and therefore make less profit on it or even in cases of some of the supermarkets use it as a loss leader in order to drag people into the store at launch time there's not a lot you can do about that and that is where a lot of this disparity between the digital and the physical releases comes and i think a lot of people say well if tesco can sell it for you know 35 quid on launch why is it 55 60 quid Digitally, there should be less overheads. It should cost them a lot less. There's no distribution. It's not. It's not quite as cut and dry as that. It, Tesco might not be making any money on it. Yeah, and it is a straightforward thing that people then blame Microsoft and Sony and say, "Well, they shouldn't be selling at that price." But it's not their call. It is the publishers. And if Ubisoft say, "I want that on your website for sixty quid," unless I agree to a promotion, then there's nothing they can do because. If they didn't agree to it, they wouldn't be hosting them on the stores. Yeah, and indeed, Ubisoft themselves uh, did come out and say there was uh, there was going to be some uh, differences for this reason because of the retailers being able to discount, you know, based on their own profit margins and the like. But what they have said is that with time, as the digital media becomes more popular and more widely used, it is going to there is going to be more alignment. The, yeah. It is going to get better. They are going to become closer. And what he said is that the advantage that you will have, and not necessarily when it comes to online retailers, if I'm blunt, but these Ubisoft said the advantage that you will have is a year, two years down the line, you will have a better availability of products at a at a reasonable price that you wouldn't be able to walk into a shop necessarily and find. And you can see that sometimes in the um, sales that happen. Yeah, and especially and now we're losing we're losing a lot of you know we're losing a lot of game stores. Um, a lot of people are now buying in the supermarkets, and what you get yeah. there is you'll get the top twenty, and then maybe a few discount titles. You you don't get the back catalogue that you you would in no. a in a, a specific games retailer. No, no, you don't. Unfortunately, it's it's six one half dozen of the other. But it's that trade-off, in the future. and this is this is the thing. What you do have is the convenience. You have the ability to buy it now, be playing it within. You did, depending on your internet connection, uh, for you maybe within an hour or two. For me, a day or two. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that'll change in the next few days. But that that enabled an online session that night with all patches, all updates, everything installed, and for yeah, four from, of us to play together. Yeah, from a, a throwaway comment on uh, on hangouts that morning you know hey is anyone available to play a game tonight yeah let's all play rainbow six and somebody downloaded play it, it was awesome it was great yeah. but likewise you you pay you are paying for the privilege of being able to do it yes you are and, and not have to go down the shops and, and buy it on the saturday if you need it and i i do think this is where things like amazon now have an advantage where you can yeah. order something and have it delivered within an hour if you're in the right area you you get the best of both worlds yeah yeah it is. And in fact, even to a degree with 
Amazon's 24-hour delivery and now doing Sunday deliveries in most areas as well. It is. We'll have to wait and see how it goes. Um, guarantee if they start seeing digital sales drop off, then they will reduce the prices. But if people are buying them, they're buying them, and then that's why they're going to hold out at that price for as long as they can. So, well, yeah, that, I, th- I think that's it. I think really it's it's comes down to just inflexibility on on the on the online stores. They can't they can't dictate the prices. No. So that's where that's where the difference comes. Okay, um, if you've got any more to feed back into that, then that would be great. If you've got any more comments on it, then we'd love to hear them. Tweet us at Codec Moments, or you can drop us an email. Contact hyphen us at codecmoments.com. Um, anything else to add? One last piece right. um, that I saw this morning, and I didn't check through multiple links to verify its accuracy, but apparently Amazon Spain accidentally released the price and release date of the PlayStation Neo. Oh, right. So what was it and when and is it? And with no surprise to things we've talked about in the past, release date we're expecting 13th of October. Right. So the same day as the VR. Hmm, that's interesting. And price was looking in the region of €399. Euros. So it was about not far off launch price of the original PlayStation 4 console. Apparently the information has been removed now. But when it leaks on Amazon, it's usually usually right. So we'll have to wait and see. You don't think it's just the VR that somebody's marked up incorrectly? It could have been. It could have been. But like I said, I didn't fact check much further um, as I had to go out. Okay, well, there you go. If you work for Amazon in Spain and you want to uh, you know, tell us exactly what happened, then that'd be great. Yeah, drop us a note. Yeah, preferably in English because my Spanish isn't very good. Mine's non-existent. Right, yeah, so an English note. That'd be lovely. Um, if you do want to send us a message in French, German, Danish, we'd, we're all right with those. Yeah, we can we can manage those. Yeah. Um, English, we're passable. Yeah, maybe one of the other languages. Spanish, we struggle. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Let's move this on. Right, what next? Codec Momentum. Oh yes, of course. So, um, who's the winner of June's? June's Codec Momentum winner was Saintly Stuart. Stuart Neal. So, well done, Stuart, who was just a normal, it's a normal Codec, Codec Momentum, Momentum for the first time in months. He completed the Stanley Parable. Oh, awesome. And um, he'll be getting a Steam voucher sent over to him as soon as we sorted one out. I can logistically make it happen. Yeah. Um, I, I, do you know, I want to play the Stanley Parable. I really want it to get a console release. It's just, it doesn't look like it's going to happen now, no. does it? No, we might have to think about how we can make that work on a PC or a Mac mm. for us. Because in fairness, we don't have gaming PCs or Macs. So it's, it's very limited on the types of things we can we can play but it did look really interesting okay okay so talk me through uh, talk me through codec momentum so codec momentum is what we put out every month for uh, people to try and clear something off their pile of shame if you've got a game that you want to finish off um head to the website find the codec momentum page and put it into the box telling us what you want to finish if you complete it you drop us a picture on twitter or on facebook and 
if your name is drawn out of the hat of completionist for that month, you win a £10 gaming voucher of your choice. If you want to go one step further and you want to platinum it or 100% achievement it, then specify that up front. And if you do manage that and you're the winner, we double your prize. So you end up with £20 worth of gaming voucher. Okay, so this month uh, at Vita Van 9 is going to be uh, as a pleasure to finish up for Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, Nick Hulk is going to be uh, playing Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. And I think he's actually already done that before we even got around to podcast Oh, yeah, so he has, yeah. He's, he's completed done, yep. it and sent us his picture. Uh, Psalm 67 is going to be playing Lego Harry Potter Years 5 to 7 Subversion. Anyway, I don't know what that means. Uh, some kind of kinky take on Harry Potter. I don't know. Uh, Fat Man John. Fat Man Scoop! Crook the Clan! He's playing Bastion, which is rolled over from June. Uh, Murdered Soul Suspect. And that's a finisher. Murdered Soul Suspect. Murdered Soul Suspect. It was a game that came out a couple of years back. I think I picked it some, up for something daft like three quid uh, in the sale once. It, it's it PS4? Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. yeah no, it's, a, it's an easy platinum. Um, and it's an okay game. And... Uh, uh, oh, Stuart Cullen, uh, Fury Ace, C3, uh, is um, pledged inside as a finisher, and he's already done it, actually. Fair play yeah, to him. So uh, we've got a couple of people already finished. Uh, if you want to enter, please go to the website and do so. And uh, if you've already entered, then don't forget to send us screen grabs just to let us know yes, you finished. Confirm it. Um, for everybody who finished a momentum between March and June... Yes. Because we've been a little bit slow and we've had a lot of things that have been going on recently. Um, we never sent out badges. That will didn't change. We? That will change this week. Yes, I didn't send out the badges. Better. All right. I have a pile of envelopes at home um, with the badges in, ready to send out for everyone who's completed them. Um, there was Fat Man John who hasn't responded to my request for um, his address. Um, he may well do by the time this podcast goes out. But if you haven't, just drop me a note. Um, and then we can get your badges to you. The end of June will mark the end of the Codet Momentum badges as we know them. What? We're going to change them. <gasps> so there will be a badge of honour for completing, for managing your Codet Momentum, or for finishing the game 100%, but they're going to be done in the form of Twitter and Facebook avatars and backdrops. Wow. And they'll be personalised. <gasps> That's amazing. So we thought we'd do something a little bit different. Um, and we will also have a ranking system. Yes. As well. So you can tot up points um, and see how well you're doing. We'll keep it maintained on the website. We will have official ranks for this. Um, we just need to decide what ranks we want them to be. Um, and what we will also do is we'll, we'll actually start the ranking system from January this year. So if you've already completed stuff, you will already have a bit of a rank. So, so some of you will be doing all right. Do you reckon we should ask people to suggest rank titles? Yes, because we were toying with the standard British Army rank, but I don't think that's interesting enough for us. And we didn't just want to go a generic Metal Gear Solid codename ranking system, seeing as we're named after codex and things like that. Um, but yeah, I would like the listeners to suggest it, and the best one will be used. Okay, well, tweet us at Codec Moments uh, with the hashtag Codec Momentum and let us know what ranks we should be using and w whereabouts they should come. Should they be, you know, new entries? Should they be uh, mid-table? Should they be at the top end? And we'll um, we'll take the best ones and, and 
add them to our ranking system. I like yes. that. So we'll have some we'll have some ranking names. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So I think that about wraps us up. I think it does. I think that's it for this month. I say for this month for this podcast recording. Okay. Um, thanks very much for uh, thanks very much for listening. It's always nice to have you on board. Um, we will be back very soon, uh, probably when we get a chance to sit together and um, and chat again. Uh, if there's anything you have to say about Pokemon Go or the price of digital games or what you've been playing, then get in touch with us. You can uh, do so by tweeting us at Codec Moments or emailing us contact hyphen us at codemoments.com or searching for our facebook group on facebook surprisingly yes, you can join those many people who are already part of that group uh, yes so that's uh, that's always fun right thanks very much take care everyone we'll speak soon bye bye, bye.